All righty, praise God. Well, God is good. We're in the process of this pathway, and so we're, we're walking through some of the steps that Jesus walked through, and so we're going to reel it back a little bit today and talk about a Palm Sunday, and I'll give you some ideas of what Palm Sunday really, in my opinion, what it really means. And so stand with me for the reading of the Word of God today. I think you'll enjoy it. We're coming out of uh, John's Gospel, the 12th chapter, verse number 12, the next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, so they took branches of palm trees and went to meet him, crying out, Hosanna. Everybody say, Hosanna. Hosanna. One more time, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, that is, resurrected, then he, they remembered that these things had been written about him and had done, what had been done to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for truth. We thank you, Lord, for life, oh God, and that in abundance. We pray, Lord, today that you would just help us, Lord, to, Lord, encounter you, Lord, with uh, what you've done for us already, that we can receive it, we can live upon it, we can act upon it, we can walk it out. We thank you, Father God, for your many wonderful blessings. Uh, Lord, let us hear, not only hear and activate your word today, but let us live it out even this week. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody in agreement said, amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word of God. We have some um, handouts at the lobby desk. If you'd like to invite anybody for the Easter services, you can mail it to them if you like, or you can just hand it to them. So it works either way. But if you'd like to do that this week, we appreciate you. This is a great evangelistic time of the year because a lot of people will come out for Easter services and Christmas services. So why not just invite them and have them come? Amen. Let's give a shout out to our online viewers today. We got them in Greenville, South Carolina, and Omaha, Nebraska, Wichita, Kansas, and all across Missouri and Texas, we have people tuning in every week. So thank you for tuning in. We appreciate it. And, um, and God is so good. And so today I want to talk to you about Palm Sunday. Uh, it's that kickoff week, uh, if you will, to uh, the Resurrection Sunday. And as we're kicking off the week, some really critical things happen. I'm going to give you about five things that take place or five reasons for these events that we know, one, that Christ is king, but that we know that he's lived this out for us. And how can we watch and see what's taken place in this realm? I want to show you, too, that where we believe that uh, Palm Sunday is, is appropriately named, but it also can carry another name. So let's go to our, our first point today, if you're taking notes. It's symbolic of the final victory. Uh, Palm Sunday carries a lot of symbolisms with it. It carries a lot of types and shadows with it. And when they raised the palms and they started to, they put palms on the ground, they waved the palms when Jesus came in, and they started crying, Hosanna, the palm branches meant victory. And so this, in a way, could be called Victory Sunday, all right? It doesn't always, it, it's Palm Sunday, we recognize that, but it could be uh, called Victory Sunday because palm branches are symbolic of victory. You go all the way back to Solomon, the wisest man in the world, when he was building the, the, the temple. Solomon built the temple, David stored everything up. David wanted to build a temple, so he asked Nathan the prophet, hey, I'd like to build a house for the Lord. I live in a house of cedar. It was a mansion. I live in a house of cedar, and my Lord hangs out in a tent. 
is what he said, and paraphrasing. And so he asked Nathan the prophet. Nathan says yes. The Lord rebukes Nathan. Nathan has to come back and tell David, you can't build the temple, but you can store up all the goods. Solomon, his son, builds the temple. And when Solomon builds the temple, he does three things that are indicative of not only Palm Sunday, but also of uh, heaven. He puts a, uh, he carves in the temple uh, cherubims, angels throughout the temple. He carves in the uh, temple uh, open flowers, which are uh, representative of the tree of life. And then he carves in the temple palm branches. And the palm branches are reflective of victory. So in our life, we know that we already have the final victory in Christ Jesus, right? That, that's important to know because if we, if we walk through life, there may be some struggles, some battles, some trials along the way, but Jesus has already paid the victory for you. That's a big amen, right? And so we have to understand. So the palm trees, and this is what King Solomon put in the temple. So the presence of God is reflective of the palm tree. So now we're at present time in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago where Jesus is walking uh, down the pathway and there's palm trees. He's on the, uh, on the colt, donkey, and there's, there's palm trees there and they're all waving uh, palm trees because they think and the victory is there. Jesus, they think, is going to set up a kingdom here on earth, okay? That's why they... they changed on him so quickly because his kingdom is not of this world it's in a higher place in the spiritual realm but he still gives us the victory and so we have victory in the old testament with the palm trees that king solomon put in the temple where the presence of god was we have victory right here where they're giving palm trees to palm branches to jesus saying uh, hosanna and then in revelations the seventh chapter and the ninth verse uh their apostle john says he sees Ten thousands of ten thousands of people. And we know there's cherubims, there's angels all around. And the Bible says that on either side of the crystal sea, there were rows of um, life-giving trees, uh, the tree of life. And so they, they bore fruit every month a different fruit and so we have the angels that are spoken of in solomon's temple and we have the uh, life-giving trees that are spoken of in solomon's temple and then the bible says that these ten thousands of ten thousands are all waving palm branches and so when we get to the other side we're going to hail king jesus with palm trees victory that's due him for the very thing that we understand that was taking place in jerusalem now that may not light your fire just yet, but put, imagine that. Everything that you've gone through, Jesus has already claimed victory over. Everything that you're aware of, everything that you're going to do. And it's, it's really cool if we look at it maybe in a, a sports event way. So our, my family and I are huge Nebraska football fans, and Nebraska had their football spring game yesterday, and that doesn't mean anything to anybody here, and it certainly didn't mean anything yesterday as far as that goes, although one Iowa Hawkeye fan tweeted out, at least Nebraska's guaranteed one win this year, because they're playing each other. Well, they're also guaranteed one loss, if that's the case, but Janie had, Janie had talked about uh, my second point, prophesying, but listen, here, listen, 86,000 people showed up for what really amounted to a practice. And they're hooting and they're hollering and they're excited for something that they know is already going to take place. One team's going to win, one team's going to lose, and they're both on the same side. Listen, church, if we could get that excited about Jesus, it would be lights out. If we could get that excited every time we come in and break the doors down and say, man, it's King Jesus has already given us the victory, that's a win. No matter what you might be going through, you've got the victory in Jesus. 
you got the victory in Jesus. Give him a shout. We, we have to sometimes practice that. It's okay to practice your excitement. It's not that we have to go overboard. It's not however you look at being fanatical is different than maybe somebody else's uh, being fanatical. But the fact is, as we walk in Christ, you knowing that you have the victory, that's a big, big deal. And this palm tree is symbolism. Back in the Old Testament, when Solomon put him on the temple walls, when Jesus walked in Jerusalem all the way until the future, when we're in heaven and we're waving those palm branches, you will mark the day down. When you're on the other side waving that palm branches, that, listen, Jesus called that out. John saw it. And just as though John sees the victory, God calls your victory through Christ Jesus even today. It's symbolic of the final victory that Jesus had. Those palm branches are huge. And yes, this is called Palm Sunday, but it could easily be called Victory Sunday as well. Number two, second point then, is he directly fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. And this is important because everything that the Old Testament prophets prophesied came to pass. Jesus' birth in Isaiah 9 and 6. Jesus' gruesome death in Isaiah 53. In fact, this... Uh, uh, verse that we read is found in Zechariah 9.9. We read it in the 15th verse. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. And that's important because Zechariah prophesied that some four or five hundred years before Jesus walked it through and wrote it through. And now in myself, I'm thinking, why, why on a colt? Why on a donkey? Yeah, I mean, nothing against donkeys, but like a horse or a camel or something, you know, a carriage or some kind of thing. But Jesus was always uh, walking in humility, wasn't he? And, in, and the donkey represents peace. In Matthew, the fifth chapter, the ninth verse, Jesus says in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So here we are, we have the son of God, being the son of God as he's being a peacemaker because donkeys represented peace in the culture of that day. So when come, someone came over to the house and they're riding a donkey they're, or into town and they were a notable person, they were recognized as being peace. They weren't there for war. But Revelation, the 19th chapter, tells us that Jesus is going to come back someday and he's going to be riding a white horse. And on his thigh is going to have king of kings and lord of lords. And he's going to make war to every enemy that ever out of the pits of hell that ever argued anything against you. That serpent, that, that, that dragon, that Satan, that liar, that chief, that accuser of the brother, he's going to cast down as he rides on a white horse. Aren't you glad you serve the king of kings and the lord of all glory, the bright morning star and the lily of the valley? He, he, this is a direct fulfillment of prophecy. And I also looked in the scriptures this week. I thought, well, I wonder what some of our, you know, everybody that's in scriptures not called Jesus is a man like us, whether they're an angel or they're a man or a woman. So, you know, what do some of the people say? Because your words, do you know your words carry impact? I mean, do you know that when you say something, I, I've shared this before, but if someone will come up to Janie and, and talk to her and they'll say something that she doesn't agree with in her spirit, she'll say, I don't receive that. We don't want curse, words of curse spoken over us, okay? We don't want the cursing, we want the blessing. Now, some people say, oh, that's, that's kind of out there. Listen, you can speak, and daddies, you know this, you can speak blessings into your children's life. I gave Landon a hard time a minute ago, but he's got a, a plaque in his office. I've seen it. It's one of the Psalms, Landon. I forget which one. Maybe 126. I don't remember which one. But it's a blessing over family. And I can imagine that when he reads that or sees that, it's an amazing thing. And, you know, his kids are blessed because why? He speaks blessing over them. 
Unfortunately, some parents speak curses over their kids, too. They call them idiots, and they call them things like that kind of stuff. They're not going to amount to much. You're not, not going to amount to anything. You'll be lucky if this and that. And listen, we need to take time to speak prophetically over our lives, over our situations. You need, to, you need to take the advantage and opportunity of what Scripture has given you. So I've written down what some of the saints of old have said. David said this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? I like what David's doing. Maybe he's going through an anxiety problem. But he says, No, I have nothing to fear. God's on my side. David the, the king. David the psalmist. David the shepherd boy. David, the conqueror of Goliath, says, I have nothing to fear. Joshua says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Joshua is going to fight a battle. He's going to take over 39 communities for the Lord. He's got to fight one of the greatest battles there is around the walls of Jericho. But he speaks life into his people. Paul said, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. You're a brother or sister of Jesus. Jesus Christ. The victory is yours. You have the victory. Church, we have to understand that. We're one of the only entities, one of the only organizations or organisms that can claim they have the victory before the battle's even been fought. The victory is yours. Jesus watches things in reverse. He knows that you're more than a conqueror. You're joint heirs. Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Why is there such depression in the land today? A country that calls himself Christian is so depressed. I read an article just yesterday in the paper, white men between the ages of 45 and 60, their suicide rate is higher than it's ever been. In fact, if there's a suicide, it's going to be by a white person that's 45, a man, and 60 years old. Why is that? The, the advantages of that white man are great in America. Why do they fight depression because the enemy wants to take your joy. If he can take your joy, he causes you to be depressed. If he causes you to be depressed, you weaken your faith. Listen, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, I like going to the gym. I like working out. I like all those things, but you're never going to get stronger than the joy that's inside you. And if you'll walk with the joy that's inside you, God will puff you up. You could be the smallest, youngest, weakest person here. You could be the oldest, most frail person here. But if you got the joy of the Lord, you are the strongest person in this room. <laughs> Nehemiah is rebuilding the wall, and he says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Why? Because he needed something to rise up inside him. Do not let the enemy take your joy. Solomon, the wisest man in the world, said the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. We've sang all these songs over the years, only they were cute little words. But these are great, great men of God who have said, listen, if you start to speak into your life, if you start to prophesy over it, it will get better. You will grow in that strength. Moses said, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, whoever them are. Them are the enemy at this point in time. Them are the people that don't want you to succeed. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. This is Moses, the most humble person by his admission that walked on the face of the earth. I always laugh about that. Moses called himself the most humble. <laughs> but he also, he also understood what courage is. He also understood how to prophesy. He also wrote some of the Psalms, by the way. And Moses was, was gifted. 
And yes, he was terrified maybe at the same time, but the joy of the Lord, the courage of Christ, the, the goodness of the Lord. And then, of course, Jesus, King Jesus said this, be sure of this one thing, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. See, we have Jesus on our side, right? This was a fulfillment of prophecy, but this is a symbol that says that not only is it a fulfillment of prophecy, but the fact that we can prophesy at all. I challenge you this week, prophesy to your situation, prophesy to your home, prophesy to your marriage, prophesy to your finances, prophesy to your, to your business, prophesy. Janie and I have prophesied over our four kids as long as they've been alive, even before some have been alive. We've prophesied over their spouses, we prophesied over, their, over our grandbabies, their little children. I think there's power in prophesying, okay? Now, I don't have to tell Joel here where he lives. He knows where he lives, right? But I can say, Joel, you're a, you're a giant in the kingdom of God. I can say, God, God's going to work through those things. Whatever you have need of, God's going to work those things out. Why? We have to prophesy into each other, but we have to prophesy life-giving things. Amen? Amen? All right, number three, the third thing then, bringing true salvation to all. This is what this represents. This is what this represents. This is the thing. So when they shouted Hosanna, it was really reserved. That statement was reserved for one time of the year. And it's what we would consider our Christmas. It was the spring harvest season. They had gotten the crops in. They were ready to go. And they shouted Hosanna. And you know, Hosanna. Everybody say Hosanna one more time. Hosanna. One more time. Hosanna. As loud as you can. Hosanna. Okay, now look at now. Hosanna in Hebrew is Yashana. So you say Yah. Sha, na. Say it one more time. Ya, sha, na. Now say Yashana. Hosanna. Yashana. Hosanna. It means three things. It means salvation now. I like that word now because it's subject of a new revelation. Whenever you say, you see the word now in scriptures, especially if it leads a chapter or if it leads a book, now. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, subject of a new revelation, okay? When we say salvation now, now I realize, God, what you've done for me. It means salvation now. Second thing it means is prosperity now. Everybody say prosperity. prosperity. And if you don't like that, say blessing. blessing. If you don't like that, say favor. favor. If you don't like that, there's the door. Because <laughs> that's, what, that's what God's about, man. He wants to bless you. Oh, Pastor, I don't believe it's of God if we should be blessed. Well, shame on you. Shame on you. It's God's favor to bless you. It's God's opportunity to bless you. Now, he won't bless you if you don't want it. Like, yeah, I don't really want to be blessed. All right, he'll give, he'll give it over to somebody else. It means salvation now. It means prosperity now. And it means victory now. Again, this is why this should be called Victory Sunday not Palm Sunday, because it's representative of victory. In fact, I'll go to the scriptures for you. The scripture that we, they would have read is out of Psalms, 118 chapter, verses 23 through 27. Just listen, but if you're taking notes, write down Psalms 118, verse 23 through 27. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We say that all the time, don't we? Let me rejoice and be glad in it. I will rejoice. And the word will is a choice. I will myself to rejoice in what God's doing. Even if it's bad in your life, even if things ain't working out, you took breath today, rejoice in it. Rejoice in what God is doing, okay? When you start to rejoice, this is what King David said. This is the day. Save us, we pray. Salvation now, O Lord, we pray. Give us success, prosperity, or blessing, O God. Blessed is he, victory, who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is 
good. The Lord is God. Can you say amen? When we understand what Hosanna is, when we understand what Yashana is, it's that we lead people in what we would call a prayer of salvation or a sinner's prayer. Basically, if their life has changed, all they have to do is say, Hosanna, Yashana, salvation comes to this house. Salvation comes right here. Blessing comes to this house. Prosperity comes to this house. Healing comes to this house. Victory is all-inclusive. It's like having peace. Victory means if I need victory in my marriage, if I need victory in my, cell, in my finances, if I need victory in my home, if I need victory in my health, if I need healing, if I just shout Hosanna, say it one more time, Hosanna. Listen, if you say it like you mean it, if you say it like you mean it, and when he was coming in, that town, Jerusalem, they were crying, Hosanna. Again, they thought he was going to set up his kingdom on earth, but Jesus had a bigger plan. Jesus always had a, a bigger plan. Isaiah 55, God says his ways are much higher than our ways. His thoughts are much higher than our thoughts. When his word goes out, it will not return void. When he speaks a word over you, it will come back. And when you start to speak words over your family, you start to speak life over your situation and not death, those will come back. And if you can't speak anything, you just say, Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed be the name of the Lord. My wife's father had his pilot's, uh, pilot's license years ago, and he had taken, uh, I think his youngest son, uh, Sonny up, Jesse III, and they were flying, and he was tinkering with the with the, the controls a little bit and things got off kilter and the plane started to spiral into a nosedive and he, he really thought it was over. In fact, he did not have time to pull out his Bible and read a word. He did not have time to, to go into a long, lengthy prayer. He had time to say one word and he said, Jesus. And he yelled Jesus a couple times and all of a sudden that plane started to level itself out. He ended up, he ended up landing the plane. He gave God all the glory. Listen, sometimes you don't have time to say a long, lengthy prayer. You just yell, Hosanna, or just yell, Jesus, or just yell, glory, or just yell, grace. You just, you just shout from the depths of your heart, and God will turn that thing around. That's a bringing true salvation to all. How many glad they're saved today? Listen, church, it's important. And if, and if you're not saved today, if you're not a Christ follower, and listen, I, we can hear and we believe, but then there's another step. We need to follow Christ. If you're not a Christ follower today, all you have to do is say, Father, save me. I pray in the name of Jesus. Forgive me. I repent of my sins. I turn and go the other way. Listen, sanctification is a process. But salvation is for all. It's not for an elect few. It's not for a select few. It's not for just a predetermined few. No, salvation is for everybody. Everybody has the opportunity or the right to get saved as they come to know Jesus Christ. If you're not a Christ follower today, I, I urge you, I suggest to you, come see me afterwards. We'll walk through a prayer. We'll say a prayer together. If you've fallen away from Christ, we'll, we'll, we'll get you back, right? Because we've all, we're all flawed human beings. We all have issues in our life that God wants to walk us through. Number four, joy comes after morning. Can you say Amen. And so we have the victory, but sometimes that victory comes at a, a price, right? Sometimes that victory has a little bit of a cost to it. Sometimes we, we you know, when we, uh, when we, we sign up for this thing as following Christ, we don't always know, like, hey, not everybody's going to be on our side. Not everybody loves the fact that you're a Christ follower. Not everybody loves the fact that maybe you're successful or everything's going good. Or maybe people are out to get you. Or maybe you just have a past and it's just an ugly past. Maybe there has been some mourning in that past, but joy comes after 
morning. Joy comes in the morning. In fact, Psalms 30, verse 3 says, Oh, Lord, you have brought me up from my shield. You restored me from life among those who go down to the pit. In other words, when things were bad, Jesus, you came down and got me. In fact, that was God's promise to the Israelites in the Exodus. I will come down. I will get you where you're at. I will pull you up. I will take you over to a land. It's God's promise to us today to come down wherever we're at in that depth of despair and reach us out. Then he says, sing praises to the Lord, oh, you saints. Can you take five seconds and just give uh, the Lord a shout offering for, for just a second? Can we do that? Just with everything in you, as loud as you can. He's worthy. We sing praises to the Lord. We give glory to God. It's a thank you, Jesus. It's a thank you, Jesus moment. He says, sing, to the, sing the praises to the Lord and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. How many wants God's favor in your life? Well, see, if you recognize that it, sometimes God has to come down and get us out, even if we've dug the pit ourselves, even if we've gotten ourselves in that trouble, maybe somebody's thrown us in there like they did Joseph, the brother. Maybe things just happen that way, but Jesus will come down and take you out, and we have to sing his praises. We have to give him glory for his anger lasts for a moment, favor lasts. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy, it comes in the morning. Aren't you glad about that? This is a metaphor, okay? So it's not like, well, just at nighttime, I'm going to weep. And weeping is not giving up. Weeping is giving in. Let me say that one more time. Weeping is not giving up. Some people cry. They think it's over, so they're sad. No, weeping is simply giving in. Father, I stand before you in awe, so much awe that I'm sorrowful like Jesus was when he was in the garden. I sorrow over that awe because, Lord, I'm not giving up. I'm giving in. Jesus, with weeping tears, said, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. There's an example here. There's a, a pattern here that when we weep, we don't weep in giving up. Jesus never gave up, did he? Jesus gave in. And the weeping here shows that we're giving in. We're tarrying for the night. Janie and I are teaching our life group how to tarry one hour, how to, how to, how to endure. You know, a lot of us believers, we sometimes bail out too soon. Like it's right around the corner. Your answer's right around the corner. Your victory's right around the corner. Your success is right around the corner. Everything you do is right around the corner, but sometimes we give up. Keep praying for son or daughter. Keep praying for spouse. Keep praying for God's favor and blessing. Keep praying for your health. Keep praying. Pray until you can't pray anymore and then pray some more. If you'll pray and if you'll ask God and if you'll walk this thing through, joy comes in the morning. Listen, later on in that same chapter, Psalm 30, you have turned me, my morning, into dancing. Woo, what's he do? He puts a pep in your step, man. All of a sudden, your chest comes out, and you're like Isaiah 40 and 31. I, 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 I'm up on eagle's wings, all right? I may run, but not be worried. I may walk, but I'll not faint. Teach me, Lord, to wait. So we, we get this, get the hold of us to where all of a sudden, it's, it's not I, like, God, I know it's you. And all of a sudden, there comes a peace over us. It's like, man, I, I'm okay knowing that I'm a, I'm a, God's going to work it out. God's going to work it out. I can tell you from experience that in my 20s, I was laid off four times with three kids and interest rates at 18%. I've said that all before. But listen, you want to, know, you want to see somebody break out in hives until the Lord taught me this scripture. You have turned my mourning into dancing. Lord, I'm not going to worry anymore. 
I don't, I don't have to worry. I can stand strong and say, God, if I'm a Christ follower, I'm in your hands anyways. It's all about you, Jesus. We're, Lord, if it's going to turn around, you're going to turn this around. And then he says, uh, oh, Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you. What? Forever. Why does he say that? Because forever is a long time. Amen? Praise God. Let's go to number four. Or five, rather. The reign of Christ is far greater than any other. The reign of Christ is far greater, church, than any other. What does that mean? Well, listen. There, when, when Jesus stood before the Sanhedrin court, the Roman centurion guards and Pilate, and Caesar Augustus, he claimed to be the son of God. And he said, you claim to be the son of God? You say that I am. I am. And no man has seen God any time. The only begotten of the Father, he hath declared him. That was Jesus Christ. And so their, but their, their process was, because Caesar Augustus said that he was God, okay, that his, his father said he was God, so he was the son of God, little g, G-O-D, that they were saying, Jesus is saying that he's the son of Caesar, he's the, the son of God. They were missing the point completely. No, he was higher than that. And sometimes when we pray, we forget that we're praying to the divine righteous one who reigns on the right hand of God, the Father, who's free from sin. He cleanses us, he pours his blood over us, and we, are, we have the victory in Jesus' name. So we pray to God in the name of Jesus. He sits at the right hand. The goodness of God, Romans, the second chapter says, leads people into repentance. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Paul said, he, the Holy Spirit will bring people into repentance. It's not a push and a shove. It's a simple leading and a guiding. Now, what does that mean? When we recognize who the king is, who the true number one is, that's Jesus Christ, right? He reigns. Come on back. Me. He reigns, and his reign is far, far greater than anybody else. He's not compared to Pilate. He's not compared to the Sanhedrin. He's not compared to Caesar Augustus. He's not compared to Herod. He's not compared to all those who tried to kill him. And yes, they killed him bodily, but they did not kill him spiritually. And the only reason they were allowed to kill him bodily is because he gave his life a ransom for many. Now, should you bow your head just for a second and close your eyes? We're going to take an offering at the end, but we're going to sing a song first. And I want you to think of that middle, that middle part, number three, when we can cry, Hosanna, salvation now. We can cry, healing now. We can cry, victory now. We can cry, uh, prosperity now, and favor now, and blessing now. We, we can cry all these things. And if we cry all these things, we understand all of what God's doing so I want you to just grab a hold of that for a second because it's really that simple. Jesus really made it that simple. Sometimes it's hard to walk. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a, it, you have a big X on your back when you de determine I'm going to become a Christ follower. But it's an easy inventory to get into. All you have to do is say, Jesus, Hosanna, salvation now, favor now, blessing now, victory now. I'm going to ask every person here to stand. You just, you examine yourself. And if you're comfortable doing so, just raise your hands up. They're going to sing a song uh, in just a moment. I think Grace to Grace and talks about even just being victorious. Listen, my, my plea, my encouragement, my challenge to you today is let's just walk in victory in Christ. Why not? 
why not? So raise your hands if you're comfortable with it. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we cry Hosanna. Father, in the name of Jesus, we cry victory. We cry salvation. Father, in the name of Jesus, we cry favor. We cry blessing. Father, Lord, we pray victory over every person right here and right now. Lord, we declare it. Why? Father, because you allowed us to. This is a, a type and a shallow, a symbol, Lord, of Palm Sunday, Victory Sunday, Lord, that allows us allows us, Father, to crawl out, to call out and upon your name in Jesus. And let's worship a song, then we'll take the offering. God bless you today.
prosperity now over every person here. We thank you, God. We call them blessed. We call them favored, Father. We pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you bless them, keep them, utilize them, Father. Give them the best we get. Give them promotion and increase. Give them favor from the Lord. We thank you, Father. We call them blessed. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody in agreement said, amen. God bless you. Forgive me.